Coming up on the pod, this week we've got Helen from Empire. Hello. We're going to be talking about 80s movies. We're going to be playing a game about 80s movies. We're going to be reviewing Fighting With Our Family. We're also going to be reviewing Triple Frontier. And Jamie talks about Chris Evans. In a cloud where there are already too many film podcasts, you have to ask yourself, what's the harm in one more? Two ordinary men armed with unqualified opinions. Talk Filmy to Me. Hello, welcome to the Talk Filmy to Me podcast, a film podcast about news, entertainment, general pop culture. We are back in our home away from home with the good people at Soho Radio Productions. That means I've got awesome people with me. I'm going to start the guy to the left. You may know him as Brian Blessed's understudy, as well as Barry Gibbs' body double, and I can't think of any other stuff you look like, but you're an awesome dude. How are you doing, Jamie? Yeah, not too bad. A little bit, a little bit balmy tonight, mate. A little bit balmy. <laughs> <laughs> I've got gifts. Oh, I've got me? gifts. I've got gifts oh. for everyone, right? I'm, oh. I, I come bearing gifts. Now, I know you got upset that when you started helping me and John the podcast, mm. that we got the logo done, and you're like, "Why am I on the logo?" And I was like, "Well, at some point, we probably if it keeps going, yeah. we'll, we'll go into it, and we're, we're launching a website soon, hey. and oh. uh, we've got uh, some new artwork commissioned and stuff." Oh. Now, in lieu of that, for the moment, I decided to take our logo and just Photoshop you in, but I couldn't find a picture, <laughs> so I just went and got Barry Gibb. It works. I even put you're shouting Waterworld because that's that's like your your thing. Oh, that, do you know what? Wow, that actually works. I think it really does. <laughs> He's a little bit slimmer and more charming. I know. I know. Picture can't be charming, but he is more charming than me. Um, so thank you. I like that. I'm gonna put that on my wall. There we go. Well, I've start start as I mean to go on, and that leads us to our second co-host, this like absolute legend, podcasting royalty, editor at large at Empire, as well as a marathon runner and uh, legal advice as well. <laughs> <laughs> Helen O'Hara, it's an absolute pleasure. How are you doing? Oh, thank you very much. I'm very well, thank you. Yes, I haven't been running marathons recently. I've got a sore knee, so I'm trying to lay it up for a month. That's my excuse as well. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just, uh, I haven't listened to your Avengers uh, trailer <laughs> breakdown yet. <laughs> yep. But I absolutely loved your Marvel spoiler special. Right. We Yeah, we, we get a little bit carried away sometimes. Some would say that doing 40 minutes on a two-minute trailer is too much, <laughs> Helen and Chris. Not and enough. We should maybe enough. slow down already. But, you know, hey-ho, so it goes. <laughs> so I thought for... I thought, because I was going to bring a bunch of talk filming to be branded stuff, and I've been fortunate enough to go to a couple of your live shows. Oh, and yeah. beforehand, you do quizzes and give out stuff. We do. And the stuff you guys have is incredible, and that's the stuff you <laughs> give away. So <laughs> anything I could bring that was like branded our stuff probably wouldn't wouldn't hold up. But I also noticed that you fight the good on social media, and mm. sometimes you do have to deal with with people, uh, which is always people a downside worst, of social yeah. media. Yeah. Um, but are you familiar with the Twitter account Chris Evans as Golden Retrievers? I am. It's a right. favourite of mine, in fact, I'm yes. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> so next time the void is shouting out at you and you yes. want a reminder of how good the internet can oh, be. Oh, look at that. Uh, I thought, wow. I thought you would uh, appreciate this. This is a framed compilation of Chris Evans as Golden Retriever's picture. This is gorgeous. Wow. <laughs> That's the most, single most comforting thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. You ought to take it home wow. with you now. Oh, I will. It could have been worse. Yeah. I could have turned up with tropical fish or something. And so, there you go. You've got to look I'm going to put that. this up right next to me, just, you know, in case the podcast, if, in case I've asked any difficult questions. <laughs> if in doubt, consult Chris. Yeah, sorry, Jamie. I couldn't frame yours. The budget was gone on that one. <laughs> anyway, shall we start with our first review? You're in a room. No! Give it, it's off! Zach, what the bloody hell do you think you're doing? You really want to choke her out in a lot of fingers? Yeah. Now pull it tight. Oh, yeah. Now she's in trouble. 
Fighting with My Family is a biopic of WWE star Paige. Um, I didn't know too much about wrestling uh, before this. Obviously, I grew up in the 90s. Uh, like most people, know a bit about wrestling in terms of the cultural impact it had, but didn't know too much about the story of Paige. She was born and bred in Suffolk uh, from a wrestling family. Uh, and she went on to do some amazing things at WWE. Now, this inspired a documentary on Channel 4, and I believe it was Steve Merchant, or Stephen Merchant, I should say, uh, was watching this and thought, that'll make a good film. It was The Rock was watching it. Oh, was it The Rock? It was The Rock who then called Stephen Merchant and told him he had to watch it. That's amazing. Isn't that good? Oh, yeah. man, I wish The Rock had my number. Because, of course, <laughs> they worked together on Tooth Fairy, which I think we all Uh-oh. remember really oh, well. Unfortunately, unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. I think we do remember that one too The well. Rock does have some... some. I mean, that's, that's as bad as it gets. It's still not that bad, I, right? I think that's a WWE thing, though, isn't it? If you remember Hulk Hogan's, like discography oh yeah oh, like, he's got a couple of bad ones John Cena like I was saying that I, I will say John Cena is a good actor mm. now oh, like yeah. he's gone on to yeah. some good stuff but he did like some those soldier movies movie. oh yeah those w. were not good oh, terrible. Um, anyway, this is not one of those movies <laughs> so basically uh, that that documentary inspired the movie to be made and Steve uh, done the the directing and also wrote this film it's also got a really interesting cast mm. it's actually got Nick Frost playing the dad and um, generally love Nick Frost yeah. I love the accent he puts on the classic southern accent in that or Suffolk accent has I he done say. a bad film um, I won't have a bad mm. word said about Cuban Fury because I love that film <laughs> but didn't he do um, Kinky Boots that's not a bad film. That's not a bad film. He was in Wild Child with Emma Roberts, which is like a teen movie. Oh, no. I quite enjoy it, and he's <laughs> oh. very funny in it, but like a lot of people would say that was a bad movie, and I'm not sure I could argue. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I might avoid that one then. <laughs> <laughs> I always find, though, with Nick Frost, and I don't mean this in a, in a bad way towards Nick Frost, but I'm always waiting for Simon Pegg to, to turn up mm. in some size, shape, <laughs> or form. But he has not got Simon Pegg, but even better, he's got Lena Headley, if I pronounced that correctly, with her, Game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. What a versatile actor to be like, one minute she's you know on, sitting on the throne of Westeros, and then she's in <laughs> Suffolk talking about how she was on the game. So it was a, yeah, interesting, interesting uh, family. Really, mm. really interesting stuff. We've got Florence Pugh, if that's how yeah. I pronounce it correctly. Um, she is playing the lead in this. She's been in tons of other stuff. But she's yeah. one of those actors which you're just going to see again and again yeah. her name more and more on, on this. Uh, essentially, it's about um, Paige and her brother, uh, Zach, who are trying to be in the WWE. You don't really know too much about wrestling. You don't learn too much about wrestling in this film. In fact, that's, although it's the premise of this film is about wrestling, it's not necessarily about uh, the intricacies, about heel faces, baby faces, all that sort of stuff. If you want that film, I suppose go watch The Wrestler or something like mm. that. This is more of a, a heartfelt comedy. This is the first time I think Stephen Merchant has not worked with Ricky Gervais in terms of writing, is that correct? Oh, maybe so, yeah. And, um, mm. and this is his first time directing it on his own. And I absolutely loved it, to be honest. I thought it was really charming. Mm. I thought the family dynamics in this film are so good. Um, it takes It's a bit, off, off, uh, I suppose, jarring to begin with, like the first sort of half hour, because it's seeing really famous people living really normal lives in Suffolk, <laughs> doing really, really just sort of Suffolky accents. And uh, I really, really enjoyed it. Though. I thought it was something really charming about The Rock. I think is an absolute amazing guy, but his name shouldn't be on the poster, really. He's barely in the film. No, that's true. I think that was just a cynical attempt to sell it, which I kind of, you know, a lot of films do it. So, you know, fair play to them. It's a, it's a tough sell otherwise, I think, you know, trying to convince people to go yeah. see this. Hmm. 
little British family wrestling. You know, there's a lot of words there that might turn people off. Mm. Yeah, that's true. It does laugh at itself yeah. quite a lot about the whole wrestling premise. There's some really interesting jokes about that. At uni, we had some mates who were really... I mean, I, I knew... Are, they still, they still are, mate. They still are. <laughs> Fair play to them, you know. Uh, and, they got a, and by the way, speak up their podcast, um, Rest Hold Wrestling. There's like a religion for some mm. people, right? Yeah. Like it is really... And for the family, that's like the people in real life. That's how they, they found solace and found a way to move on in their lives. Yeah. They, all had, they kind of had a, a bad time and they managed to find better ways to live and move on yeah. sort of thing. So I generally love this film. I thought it was really charming. There's kind of like a, a Rocky montage scene in this, which is, is oh, kind of amazing. cheesy. But actually, Vince Vaughn is in this film. And I think he does so much mm. of the emotional lifting and I don't think he gets the credit he deserves for this. I really enjoyed that part of it. I can't really say much more than that. I just really enjoyed this yeah. film. One of the things that I think this didn't play on too much was that you don't realise that, oh, yes, okay, it's fixed. Obviously it's fixed. The winner's predetermined. But the achievement of at that age, going over to a foreign country where you didn't know anyone and becoming the pinnacle in that sport is such an achievement. And that is what the premise of this story is. Mm. No, I agree. And I think what's what's really good as well is that it has the wit to balance that sort of success story. Because we've seen the underdog succeeding story before, but mm. it, it balances that with the kind of crisis that her brother has. Was it, um, I've forgotten his name already, Zach. Yeah. It was Zach, wasn't it? He's Jack Loudon. Um, and... Uh, you know, he he is always expected to be the wrestling star in the family. He always thought he was going to be the one to kind of break through if anybody did. And suddenly his little sister goes off and leaves him behind and he's just completely devastated, mm. understandably. Uh, and, it, and it takes him, you know, quite a long time to try and figure out what, what to do at that point. And I really liked that story. Um, and I also, I must have face blindness because every time Jack Loudon turns up in a film, I'm like, oh, that guy's really good. He looks a bit like that one guy, you know, the actor. Yeah. And I literally don't put it together for at least 20 minutes. Um, and sure enough, the same in this case. I, I didn't know it was him. He just disappears into every role he does. He's yeah, so he's good. Yeah, he kind of transformed his body as well, right? Yeah, like he got yeah. in really good shape yeah, he did. for that film as well. Um, yeah, like I thought, the, I thought the stunts, the fact that they proper went in, yeah. they went proper for this they trained for it they became wrestlers and everything else and they went and filmed uh, at an event like a proper WWE event and they got the rock out to get the crowd up and going and stuff and like the the authenticity of that it's great I kind of went into a bit of a rabbit hole about Paige afterwards because I was like oh I want to actually find out about this person unfortunately she's had to retire because an injury has uh, even at like age 25 she had to retire from wow. the professional sport and and I hope that this kind of inspires more. There's tons of stories of, especially in women's wrestling, of people that have had to overcome such adversity to not be just seen as a pretty face mm. on stage, to actually be attributed as skilled in their craft. And I hope this kind of inspires more stories to come out from this because Paige is just one of loads of women that have managed to yeah. actually get the respect they deserve for that sort of stuff. Jamie, you are you're doing your proper serious face there. Yeah, yeah. I've not seen it. <laughs> hey, I, I, it's on it's on the list but there's so many good films coming out at the moment that, mm. that you're just coming thick and fast no, um, yeah. but what, from what I've heard from you guys the thing I quite like is and this will come up again later on uh, is that from the trailer you know it makes it look like The Rock is a big part of mm. it and, you know you, it, it, it teases into the story and from what it sounds like from what you guys have said that the trailer is just that mm. a trailer that teases you into the story rather than gives away the, the, yeah. the yeah. massive plot holes which are 
is common these days. And I mean, we've kind of given away a lot of the plot actually in this yeah. discussion. But yeah, I'm it's not. Watch not... It now, but <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but it, it genuinely is the kind of film that that doesn't really matter. Yeah. Knowing the plot mm. doesn't really matter. Um, it is it is about the experience. It is about the people and the characters and just mm. getting to know them. And so yeah. it's quite nice to have a film as well, which can engage people at different ages and different groups. Yeah. It sounds like this is a film that can that anyone can go and watch and enjoy. Yeah, definitely. So, so yeah. Um, we do a scoring of one to five. I wonder where we got that from. And uh, <laughs> and uh, for me, it sits around three. Uh, that's mm. for us. We think that's that's a, a great a great film. Uh, we really do enjoy look, the comedy elements of it. Mm. Look, if you're put off by this by the wrestling element, don't be because mm. it's just a great family comedy. I don't know if family's the right word to describe it because they talk about boners a lot in it. But it's a great comedy and it's got a wrestling angle to it. So three out of five, fighting with my family. Paige, I myself have come from a wrestling family too. I know exactly what it means to you. But don't worry about being the next me. Be the first you. News. You may have noticed a little film called Avengers Endgame dropped its second trailer. Or is, is it the second trailer? Or is it like the TV spot? Was, I think it was a TV spot as well, but yeah. Yeah. So that dropped uh, a couple of days ago, and the CEO of Disney tweeted something kind of funny. Just, oh, I think this film might be a big deal. Yeah, you think? Um, <laughs> Helen, I know you've just done a massive pod about this, but <laughs> on a scale of one to squee, how excited are you? <laughs> what I generally love about this trailer is. Mm. And uh, there's a story in this which I find absolutely fascinating. Have you heard of a gentleman called Barry Curtis? No. So he is the security manager for Marvel. Mm -hmm. He has been uh, working with Marvel since Iron Man 3. So they realised that they'll get... uh, During the course of Iron Man... Uh, preparing for Iron Man 2 and Avengers, loads of stuff was leaking. So they hired this guy to basically be in charge of... He was the guy who would brief actors to say what you can and can't say. Mm-hmm. And he would always be around... He's basically Happy Hogan yeah. if he was a real person of just being around setting stuff. And um, I was going to say, he might be quite pissed at this trailer. The reason why is because about a year ago, toy companies as always start leaking images of stuff. They're always the ones to go. They, they always are. at Lego as well. They're, they're, they're really bad for this. And they leaked pictures of those white armor outfits and and uh, Twitter just started responding with Barry's going to be pissed because he was the guy who, do you remember when um, Thor Ragnarok came out and Mark Ruffalo accidentally tweeted uh, a live streaming of like the first bit from that and mm. um, he has been like similar to Tom Holland, people like told that is it, you are not allowed to be in public without Barry consulting first and just before Infinity War came out there was a press conference between um, Mark Ruffalo and the guy who plays War Machine mm-hmm. and it was a, it's quite an infamous interview because Mark Ruffalo says yeah everyone dies and the guy looks at him not in a funny way but a what are you doing sort of way and Mark's first response was oh no Barry's going to kill me and uh, I think <laughs> Barry must be really upset to see that the leaked images from the um, the outfits are now mm. in that trailer. What do we think? Like on a scale of like Squee, where are you at? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, exci- <laughs> I'm, I'm excited about it, but there was there was a, there's also a bit of a spoiler, isn't there in the yes. in the trailer? Well, um, it's a spoiler. I mean, I mean, I mean no, it's, it's an obvious it's, one. It's, it's an obvious it's a, one. Let's say it's a piece of information about the film that we did not previously have. Yeah. I feel like if they're allowing it in the trailer, by definition, it's not a spoiler because, as you say, these guys are so so sneaky. I mean, yeah. we've also don't forget had pictures in previous trailers that did not end up in the movie. Yeah, and oh, we've yeah. had pictures in previous trailers yeah. that were completely and deliberately misleading. So, yeah. you know. I generally believe the post-credit stinger in Captain Marvel is not in Endgame. The reason why I believe that mm. is just because they kind of all... I've only seen it a couple of times mm-hmm. and uh, and maybe a couple of times on social media through uh, people camming it or whatever. Mm. But they don't kind of look like how they do in the other trailers. Like Chris Evans 
Still has the beard. Still has the beard. The glorious beard. The glorious, very glorious beard. Um, But, I don't know, they just don't look quite right. Mm. Almost like they've gone, hey, we need someone to film this scene (laughs) quickly and can you move away from the other projects just to, to dive in on this? So. Well, it was apparently directed by the Russo brothers, and, ah, it would, okay. and logic would dictate that it was done during some of the reshoots, which we know they have scheduled in for all yeah. of these mm-hmm. movies these days. So um, it may not be the exact scene, because we've seen them do that before as well. So like for the Winter Soldier, when he recognises Bucky in the street, they actually had three or four versions of that scene with varying levels of emotion, and they used a different one in the film to the one in the trailer, Wow! for example. Wow, yeah. deep cuts. Yeah. Uh, seriously. And then in the, the scene, the... Um, after credits or the mid credit scene with Bucky's arm in the vice hmm. is a slightly different version again to what you see in the film. So ah, they okay. they will sometimes just give it enough of a zhuzh. Yeah. So yeah. you're still seeing something slightly fresh. Oh, wow. Well, 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 it's going to be three hours long. Am I right? And thinking... I mean, I'm there for the day if they want me. Be... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there was repeat. This... Yeah, just... yeah. <laughs> I was kind of jealous. In the States, just before Infinity War, there was loads of cinemas doing marathon runs. And it would be like Avengers followed by Age of Ultron. Mm. And then maybe some of the key moment films. So maybe a Civil War, uh, Ragnarok, maybe Black mm. Panther just beforehand. I can't. I haven't seen anything like that in the UK. Like someone who owns a cinema, just look, listen to this podcast and put something on because they'll make so much money. I don't think I could survive. No, I do wonder how yeah. funky it would be after like 14 hours in there. Yeah, you don't want a 22 film no. marathon. That's a bit much. Well, yeah, yeah. And I say this because some of my colleagues did a Bond marathon once when they were around 22 Bonds and wow. they basically just, it killed them. Like it just... Never want to see a Bond film again. No, well, they, no, I mean, did they come into work talking like Roger about, Moore? Yeah, well, I think it was about the second day, in the middle of the second day that they hit the Roger Moore era and that's that's not good, man. You've been up all night, you haven't had any sleep and suddenly it's Roger Moore for like 12 hours, you know. And just I after you survived that, George Lazenbury staring at you in the there face. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so speaking on the Marvel trial, Captain Marvel, uh, a lot of people mm. said, oh, I don't know how this will do too well. Turns out, what do they know? Because it made $455 million globally mm. in its opening weekend. Yeah. That's a license to print money. Yeah. I hope it has legs in terms of it keeps going on and on. I think it will make a truckload of money mm. just before mm. uh, Endgame comes out. But I don't know why anyone was any surprised. Like, no. And I'm not going to ask the, the same question, Helen, that you probably get asked all the time. <laughs> but is fatigue ever going to come in with these films? Yeah, it will if they get bad. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, but genuinely, that is that is the answer, and that's why you know everyone's sort of you know I've I've been known to argue online with people about Batman and or Batman v Superman and stuff, and you know the reason that critics are you know alleged to be you know kinder to the mcu than they are to the dc films is at the moment they're they're better films yeah Mm -hmm. they're more entertaining films um on average you know there are dc ones i really enjoyed like wonder woman and aquaman um but they're just doing really well they're they're mixing up the formula they're changing up what works they're not afraid to take risks they're bringing in people like taika waititi which makes no sense you know Mm -hmm. and it and yet it works brilliantly it works far better than it would have done if they brought in a sort of journeyman director who was pretty okay. In fact, their biggest flops have been kind of journeyman directors who were pretty reliable. Those are the guys yeah. who have directed things like The Dark World and Iron Man, well, Iron Man 2. John Favreau obviously has talent, but like he was kind of constrained on that one and they were trying to do a lot with that film and, it, and his hands were tied and therefore it wasn't a good film. They've learned mm. that they need to give people room to manoeuvre. They need to give mm. people room to bring something to it. And, and also- that's what works. I agree with that. I also think that it's about timing of where they're on their trajectory. Like mm. getting Ryan Coogler at the time they did yeah. to make such a transcendent film like Black Panther. Like it's just about 
A, like you say, having the balls to be able to say, yeah, okay, you know what? You've got a $100 million movie or whatever the budgets are, mm. and what will be will be. This is your, we're going to let the creators create. And it's not a case of the focal point is not a, it's a superhero movie. It's a damn good movie. It just happens to have a yeah. lens of there's a superhero element to it. Do you know Forbes magazine reckon it's going to surpass $1 billion in its worldwide box office? One billion. That would make sense because yeah. it, it's usually about a two point five to yeah. three times multiplier of the opening weekend. Mm. So, yeah, amazing. Well, I think if you look at Aquaman, uh, how well that done. Mm. I'd say yeah. billion odd. Just uh, just was it before Christmas it even made that yeah. as well, which is insane. And uh, yeah, long may it continue. Anyway, let's talk about another trailer. And I on this podcast, uh, Helen, I know you listen all the time, but um, I may have uh, slated, <laughs> uh, for lack of a better word, um, Aladdin mm. so far for a couple of reasons. One, uh, Will Smith, I wasn't sold on and two I think Guy Ritchie's great at making Guy Ritchie movies maybe not for, for Disney movies but I've got to be honest new trailers drop I will eat my words I actually quite enjoyed it <laughs> well they've included some of the tracks now I think as well haven't they mm. so a whole new world and I think people are trying are starting to make that connection aren't they with the, with the film that they know of for, for Aladdin whereas before it was just tidbits here and there and you'll be like mm, yeah, no, this, this ain't this, you this buried the lead here mate show the genie that's what we want like, that's yeah, what we're yeah, here yeah, for yeah that's true that's true and he's blue and he's blue, yeah, yeah, I got, yeah, yeah, and um, for bits of it, yeah, I, I want to hear because um, I can't remember the gentleman's name. The guy who does, he's an amazing voice actor. Uh, he's doing the voice of Iago, the parrot. Alan Tudyk. Yes, mm. him. I, I really want to hear his Iago impression because mm. I, I can't help. But you know, and like you get, you get, is that Cave of Wonders? You yeah, hear, you, get, it? you get you <laughs> get programmed into you. It's a thing I always say. And everyone says, I go ah, Cave of Wonders, and uh, yeah, I, I need to hear this. Um, but I'm I'm actually really intrigued now. Um, I think whoever's doing the marketing at Disney for this movie has kind of dropped the ball in terms of they had so much bad will building up towards this film when they had a good will in Will Smith Yay. to be able to show e to be able to show uh, what they've got available and uh, yeah hopefully this will drum up a bit more interest and hopefully it shows sign of a good film yeah and um, another trailer drops Seth Rogen's got another film coming out it's got a couple coming out actually over the summer one of them with Sharice Ferron about being the president's uh, kid long that she babysit yeah long mm. shot that was it but also he's directing another film which is called good boys it's kind of like a coming of age comedy but mm. coming of age of comedy for, for people of 2019 and this is really charming the first bit because it's basically him in front of the the cast of boys basically saying look this is a great fucking film but you can't see the trailer because you're too young to to be in it mm. and it, in itself like just that would have been enough to kind of get me excited about this film but it generally looks funny yeah it's sort of um, it's an R-rated movie obviously in America but um, it's about boys being invited to a makeout party isn't it yeah and they're getting a bit nervous because they don't know how to kiss and they're trying to find out how, how you kiss a girl and they borrow their dad's drone as part of it and they fly over their neighbour's fence to catch their you know the, the girl next door sort of like trying to kiss her boyfriend <laughs> obviously the drone then crashes and then Naturally. they've got to try and replace the drone it's that sort of like comical sort of we've like, all been there yeah yeah <laughs> exactly if drones have been invented 20 years ago you know. <laughs> and they're but, and they're kind of the younger boys aren't they they're like yeah. 11 12 not the usual sort of 17 18 that's it, that's sort it. Of it's yeah. just in that age that cusp yeah. of, of, of experiencing those stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah stuff that's a good yeah. word for it yeah <laughs> yeah we're in our 20s at that point jamie yeah. let's not lie but anyway. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it looks awesome um anyway just to wrap up news game of thrones look we this might be a bit nerdy to go this level of detail on it but we are really, really excited we're going to be doing a a game of thrones special at some point before the the new episodes drop um, and i'm still we still need that big map of where all the chess pieces are and who is available because <laughs> i tend to find with game of thrones there's Kind of like you could have like a flow chart of the first three or four episodes. You're going, who's that guy? 
who's that again? Oh yeah, I like them. And then they die. And then you're yeah. like, oh, and then you start the whole process again and wait mm. two years. Um, but that being said, they've released the running time for each of the episodes. Now, we don't have to go through each one of them, but I mean, this is like a, a film coming out every week now, isn't it? I mean, how incredible is this? And can we, can... actually, Helen, who's going to sit on the throne at the end? Oh boy. I genuinely don't know. I genuinely have no I have no clue. And I'm quite enjoying not having a clue. I'm really right. happy about that. I mean, there's obviously the sort of the obvious story that we seem to be heading towards, so which is John and Danny. No, I'm pointing at Chris Evans and the Golden Retrievers. But <laughs> there's obviously the sort of Danny and John, mm-hmm. you know, obvious happy ending. But when has Game of Thrones ever done the obvious happy ending? Um, it's the hope that kills you. It is. So I just I just don't I genuinely don't know and and I I don't even want to speculate. I'm sorry. I just I'm quite enjoying the complete bananasness of it. Nice. Cuz I'd read the books, you know. Uh, so yeah. for the first three or four seasons I was like, I got this. Yeah. <laughs> and now I'm kind of yeah, it's good. I will speculate. Okay, um, do it. <laughs> Tyrion. Cool. Yeah. Nice. He's just going to like he's been there in the background the whole time, little mastermind pulling the strings and then bam, he's going to kill everyone and take over. <laughs> I've, and I, I hope so because I love the man. I mean, I love him, but I, f- I feel like he's the one who's going to make the noble self-sacrifice to save the yeah, whatever. Yeah, I think he probably will, and that upsets me. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're right. I kind of want Jamie Lannister too. He, I started hated him, but he, somehow he gets under your skin, and you think, you know what, you're a good guy. Yeah. And I could watch uh, the entire spin-off of just him hanging out. I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, the guy who's uh, Bron. Yes. Yeah. How, how did you get that from that? <laughs> just, it's a gift. <laughs> There we go. But uh, yeah, I, I would love to I'd just watch a whole spin-off of that. But I, my theory is that they're going to get rid of the throne mm. and mm. there'll be a democracy mm. and it'll be Pardon kind of me. like a... <laughs> a Brexit. <laughs> no, not go there. Not go there. <laughs> uh, this genuine question, um, those um, those swords that were melted down, are they, are they Valyrian steel or does Dragonfire turn steel into Valyrian steel? Because if so, they might need the throne. Ah. They might need to melt it down. That's literally a symbolic thing of let's yeah. tear away the old world to, to survive for the new world. Indeed. I don't know. Whoa. It's a theory. Wow. That's Whoa, blown yeah. my mind. I need to tweet that. <laughs> in a previous job I worked at, I won't mention their name, believing better. There you go, put the dots, dots yeah, from that. They had the throne in the in mm-hmm. the central office, and they, they will do now, and I'll bring it out. And they had to keep replacing the... They put like a padded seat in there. They had to keep replacing it because people were just spending all day sitting in yeah. there. Imagine just doing a conference call, just sitting on Well, the, you would, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean I'm, a, I'm a teacher, and I would love to have one of those in my office because yes. I call the kids in. That's right. I'm sitting on the Iron Throne. What are you going to do about it, kid? (laughs) Behaviour, sorted. I mean, if they're old enough to have seen it, because if not, then... Uh, Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. and then then you get in trouble because they're going, do you know what you got my kid Uh, watching? (laughs) Either that or they see me sitting on a throne of skulls and swords. So Okay, true, true. Just don't don't call in the kid called Ned. (laughs) Anyway, that's the news for this week. I'm like a prickly pear. That's right. That is right. Get the fuck out of my way. Hi, I need to read all this. No, I don't have a prescription. I'd like to take his his face. You're like a cat. Oh, and uh, throw in a couple martinis while you're at it. All you have to do. 
Cage or nonsense? Uh, Nicholas Cage, an amazing actor, has a career that spans over 98 movies. Some of them are genuine classics, mm. some of them are Nicholas Cage movies. Mm. I've got a bunch of synopsises here. I think I pronounced that right. Is that what the plural for synopsis is? Synopsis. Synopsis. Maybe, I'm not sure. um, anyway, I've got a bunch of synopses, and some of them are genuine Nicholas Cage movies, some of them are complete nonsense. <laughs> and the game here is that basically my guests have to guess whether it's Cage or nonsense. There will be a tiebreaker at the end. Jamie, we'll go. F- we'll start you off Raining first. Reigning champion. Reigning Ooh. champion, yes, actually Ooh, you gosh. did. Yeah, yeah, you did actually win that one change. time. I'm normally terrible. <laughs> okay, you ready? Yeah. Charles Teverson is an ex-junkie marine on the path to redemption. After years of reba- uh, rehabilitation... Nonsense. Thanks, mate. Yeah, <laughs> yes, it's absolute nonsense. But I spent ages thinking this one up, so you need to think this one. Oh, okay, sorry, so after years of rehabilitation, Charles is contacted by a former colleague to protect a high-profile client, the President of the United States' daughter. After an attack at a rock concert, <laughs> Kelly is presumed dead. Charles is left to take the fall. Charles must defend Kelly, clear his name, and unearth a conspiracy. Ooh, uh, it's nonsense, Jamie. You've already uh, said it. It's fine. Well, I thought you might edit that but out. It is, but it is plausible. <laughs> I would watch it. Oh, yeah, I for sure. Yeah. But the problem is he's too much of a clean guy, isn't he? Well, no, the, okay. the, the main problem is he's already defended a member of the presidential family in yes. Guardian Tess. That's, yeah, that's so, your mistake. I think, I think you're in trouble here, mate. Oh, no, right, it's okay. So, okay, Helen. Uh-oh, yeah. Okay, when a childless couple of an ex-con and another ex-cop decide to rob a family of quintuplets, their lives become more complicated than anticipated. That is Raising Arizona by the Coen brothers. That is correct. Uh-oh. Right, Jamie. <laughs> a group of strangers come to the aid of a single mother seeking to bring, bring rapists to justice. That's it? Yeah. That's the synopsis. Uh, that sounds like... I think Cage would do that. Cage. Correct. Vengeance, colon, a love story. Um, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll be honest, that one has escaped me. I, oh, wow. I, did, not, I did not see that one. Okay, Helen. Yeah. Scotland's 1296, a small clan of Scottish rebels have been pinned down to a stronghold in the mountains to evade English forces. However, a werewolf attacks them and bites the Scottish leader, James Douglas, Nicholas Cage. James must now fold, uh, hold off the English at his door whilst keeping his bloodlust in check. But be careful, a full moon is only a night away. Oh my God. I mean, it's... Oh, I think it's nonsense, but it really does sound like something he'd do. So I'm not sure. You're gonna have, I'm going to have to push you. I'm going to go nonsense. You're correct. That is hey. nonsense. Whoa, that, <laughs> mate. You should do this professionally. Yeah, you should just write. You should write Nicholas Cage movies. Yeah, yeah. Should, oh, that's my dream, Helen. <laughs> okay, Jamie. Question three: A mild-mannered chemist and an ex-con must lead a counter-strike operation against a rogue group of terrorists, which are led who are led by a renegade general. The threat is nerve gas attack from Alcatraz. Oh, I have seen this film. It's a Cage film. <laughs> it is The Rock. Yes, The Rock, and it's got. Uh, is it- not Denzel. Um, Sean Connery. Sean Connery's in it. That's it, yeah. I don't know how I got those two confused. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Right, so where are we at, man? Both on two? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's all, all heating off. Okay, so Helen, a lovelorn screenwriter becomes desperate when he tries and fails at an attempt of adapting The Orchard Thief. That's adaptation. That is a Nicolas Cage movie. Correct. Oh, oh. it's on, it's on. It's Helen knows the names as well. <laughs> <laughs> I just know, oh, I've seen that. <laughs> okay, Jamie. An Alaskan state trooper partners with a young woman who escaped the clutches of a serial killer to bring a murderer to justice, based on actual events. That sounds like a film. <laughs> Let's say nonsense. Oh, it's genuine cage. Oh. Frozen ground. Frozen ground. What an, what an indelible title that yeah. you'll never forget in the <laughs> yeah. next five minutes. Wow. Okay, Helen. Mm. 
Set in the year 2089, a ruthless dictator has had a crisis of conscience and decides the world would be a lot better off if he never decided to kill his general father and cause a military coup. General Francis Humpleton travels back in time to convince himself to rethink of his decisions. Failing that, he must kill himself. I think that's nonsense, but I'm honestly not. <laughs> that's I'm correct. Go that nonsense. is nonsense. <laughs> it was a name for me, Francis Humpleton. I, mean, I was there. Go for... simple, John Smith. But what? no, but he's he's played Stanley Ipkiss as a yeah, 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 maybe yeah. not Ipkiss. What was it, Stanley? Stanley Ipkiss is it's, the mask. Yeah, yeah, that is the mask. But uh, Stanley something uh, in The Rock. That was anyway. Good speed. Goodspeed, Stanley Goodspeed. Goodspeed. There is actually a website dedicated to just names of characters played by by Nicolas Cage. Uh, Rightly. Question five. A small group of survivors are left behind after millions of people suddenly vanish and the world is plaged into chaos and destruction. Oh, that that is isn't that the world's um, the end of the world, isn't it? But that's not Cage, is it? That's an REM song. Uh, uh, (laughs) I feel fine. That that is a film, but I don't think it's Cage. no, maybe it's not a film. Nonsense. It's Cage. Um, That's uh, left behind, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I even, said, I even put the name buried. See, the I thought, I thought it was well, like that film with um, Seth Rogen in, in End of the World or something. Party. Oh, oh yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, um, yeah. End of. It's uh, it's the it's the end or something, isn't it? Yeah, Just the end. The end. Yes, yeah. Yeah. This is the end. This that is, that end. is it. it. This is the end. Okay, Helen. Uh, you've already won, but uh, plan, oh, plan, geez, plan, to, <laughs> plan to absolutely seven ball, Jamie. Mm. Uh, okay. In order to foil an exploitation plot, an FBI agent undergoes facial transplant surgery. Mm. I think you've already got I this do. already. <laughs> it's face off. Face off. Okay. But we do have a tiebreaker question, which I'm going to award Jamie five points of. Oh, oh back in the game. Oh. Now. It's, this is just whoever shouts it first wins. Well, what we're going to do? Say cage or nonsense? No, no, no. no, no. Uh, let me, let me oh, explain. All right. I'm excited. Explain. I'm, excited. I'm, I'm, excited. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to be here. Okay. I'm only reading the question first. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you get it. Okay. So I want you to say a number. So we have thinking time. You don't have thinking time. No, just no, as no, thinking first time. to say it, but I'll, I'll just read the question first to allow fairness. Okay. Okay. How many times has Nicolas Cage played a character called John? Eight. Twelve. I'm going to go with... Jamie, because oh. he actually was closest. He has played it six times. Oh, I went oh, for that means you, That means you'd actually generally win, even though Helen clearly is yes. <laughs> So Justice. Yes. So, yes, Nicolas Cage has played John six times. Uh, before that, it was Jack and Joe with three, but he's only been a doctor three times. So there you go. Jamie, by, by crook or by hook, default, you know your case from your nonsense. <laughs> The 80s is like a renaissance of movies. It has touched pop culture. It's something we always come back to. We always moan about a remake because chances are it's a remake of an 80s mm. movie. Helen, it's fair to say you know a bit about these. You've got some pretty <laughs> cool books, which I have display here because in the medium of podcast, displaying obviously makes sense. Huge but, one, yeah. But later on, uh, <laughs> over our Twitter account, we will be giving out some of these books over there. Hopefully, maybe even a little signature from yourself in there as well. Absolutely. But I thought... Since we've got a legitimate expert in 80s movies, I want to ask the question of what is the most 80s, 80s movie? What is our fascination with this decade? Mm. And why do we always look back at this in such uh, rose-tinted glasses? Mm. So I suppose the first question I ask is, Helen, why, what makes our fascination last as long as it has done these movies? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's even people who weren't around for any of the 80s 
you know, still have this weird fascination with a lot of it. Um, so I think there's a there's a bunch of different reasons. I think the 80s is where they started to, or maybe restarted after the, the sort of exper- more experimental 60s and 70s. They kind of restarted trying actively to make big movies. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like in the 70s, there was at least a moment where Hollywood was just so discombobulated and didn't really know what worked anymore. And so they were willing to do experimental, arty kind of things. Um, and some of it, of course, worked brilliantly and, and launched many of the directors that then went on to make these 80s movies. But um, but by the 80s, they were much more focused again with how can we make something that look cool, look mm-hmm. awesome. And it was part of the kind of spirit of the times you know the whole me generation the excess the kind of color the loud music all of that kind of feeds into it as well but i do think it was part of that seismic shift you know when you had uh, obviously spielberg with jaws mm. genuinely that's a that's a huge part of the start of the 80s because they suddenly realized oh my goodness people will leave their tv and queue around the block, mm. literally around the block, to see this movie. Movies matter. And when you follow that with Star Wars, yeah, mm. I mean, that was it. Game over. Um, and obviously, you know, other big hits, Superman and stuff like that in the 70s as well. But then that was what everybody was aiming for. It was not that suddenly people realized that even though there were TVs, even though that was a thing, people would still go to the movies in droves if you gave them a reason to do it. Mm. And it's kind of the era we've been living in ever since, which is probably why we're fascinated with it. But I would say in terms of like, you, you mentioned remakes and things like that. The problem with that is are the generation now in charge of studios and stuff is the generation well, the that grew kids. up yeah, yeah, yeah. on yeah, 80s yeah. movies. Yeah. And so this is their touchstones and these are the ones that they want to recreate. Yeah, well, I also think technology has played a huge part yeah, of that. Yeah, One of my favourite books is Creativity, Inc., the Pixar story. And you learn a lot about Pixar. But you actually mm. learn a lot about movies in general, yeah. right? And how those guys over in Industrial Light and Magic, when they were working over in Lucasfilm, and little things that influenced other things. And yes, okay, the fruits of their labour was probably felt more in the 90s, but mm. the stuff they worked on in the 80s was very much part of the time and very experimental. Obviously, it's not industrial light and magic or it might be but I don't know that's fact but mm. if look at films like Tron where it was the first time yeah. experimenting mm. with uh, computer graphics on screen and also just like you say this expansion of using this sort of technology and it was relatively affordable mm. which meant all of a sudden other studios could experiment and try new things out and yeah it's it bled into so much other creative endeavours and yeah. music is yeah. a, a key part of that as well because yeah. music went through kind of a whole renaissance in itself at that time I was going to say, do you think the these eighties films would have been as successful without those powerful soundtracks they had there <laughs> alongside them? Because when you think of these eighties films, you do quite often mm. think Rocky of these iconic. I mean, that's, that's one of my films. Yeah, I mean, the, the montage scene and that Hearts on Fire, amazing. Mm. You know, that's it. Yeah. It's, it's just that 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 for me is you know whenever I. Why well, I say it, whenever I work out, the two three times a year <laughs> I work out, um, you know that is the montage going through my head. I'm like, yeah, I'm Rocky. Yeah, you know, I'm running. You know, I'm running for ten seconds. I'm Rocky. You know, that montage it just sticks with you. And I think I, I'd be interested to know your opinion, mm. Helen. I mean, do you think that that music had a part to play? Do you think it would have been as successful without that sort of powerful sound? I think for some for some movies, 100. Mm. percent You know, something like uh, like Flashdance was mm. basically mm. sold on the soundtrack. Um, um, I mean, even the Goonies, you know. I don't think, I don't think the music matters to the film in the same way that something like Rocky, yeah. in the music matters within the film when you're watching the film. Yeah. But the Cindy Lauper um, Goonies video in advance 
didn't hurt people in terms of getting them to the cinema to try the film. Right. So there was the, there were the two different kinds. Mm. There, there's the ones where the music is such a huge part of the movie and the ones where the mu- the, the song, which had nothing to do with the movie, just sold sold mm. it and got bums on seats. You know, Because again, you've of course, the whole MTV generation, you've got the, the video playing on a loop with the clips yeah. from the movie yeah. that look really awesome. And you're like, Duran I Duran, have right? to see that. Yeah. Yeah, they smashed it. Oh, was, it, was it License to Kill? Is that name song? Yep. Can't. Yeah. Sorry, I had a, had a brain. Wait, a license to kill was was that Gladys Knight? Oh, that they did the other one. Oh, a view to a kill. View to a kill. Sorry, I had a window moment. It took me a moment. Just yeah. then. Um, right. So, in the interest of this, I've got a quick fire round. Right. All right. Don't worry. There's no. There's no prize. <laughs> Actually, Helen. Yeah. This is the second time, other than cage or nonsense, that I've asked you a question face to face. Oh yeah. Uh, your live empire uh-huh. uh, last year. So, oh, do you want to ask a question? I'm like, yeah, yeah I want to ask a question. <laughs> Might pass that to me. And I I find it hard enough doing this sort of stuff just in front of friends and good company. <laughs> the fact you guys do it in front of hundreds of people. Yeah. And my question was going to be, mm. as people that are trying to, to do podcasts and reach audiences and all this great stuff, mm. what sort of advice would you give to them? Right. And then... I had an awkward moment where the microphone passed me, I dropped it, and everyone looked at me, and I just went, what's been your favourite film of the year so far? <laughs> um, <laughs> to which you all said, you all said Infinity War, apart from Terry, who said uh, A Star Is Born. I yep. swear she only done that to say, I get to see these I films know, before you. I know, isn't it awful? She gets to see things first, just because she's the editor-in-chief, oh. and is like, really important. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. I love uh, her, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, she's, she's absolutely incredible. But uh, the quick fire round. Yep. And I'm basing this on uh, classic tropes of 80s movies, okay? Mm-hmm. So, best cop duo. Best cop duo. I mean, Turner and Hooch. Oh, that's, oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's my one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah absolute, oh. absolute classic. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll agree, Turner and Hooch. <laughs> but K9, for me, is a, is a... Yeah, it goes there, it goes there quite it, well. It tries. Okay. Jam, I'll switch to you first. Okay. Best soundtrack. Oh. Rocky Four. <laughs> Rocky, just throw it, Rocky Four. No, no hesitation. Rocky Four. Have you seen Creed Two yet? Uh, no. It's kind of like a spiritual successor mixed yeah. with Creed, but the soundtrack's actually really good. They do a yeah, really I've, good I've montage. Yeah, some good things. I, I, I kind there. of lost faith after Rocky Five. Bill Balboa obviously got me back in, but I'll have to watch that one. But yeah, but, without a doubt, Rocky Four. But for me. Transformers 1986 Stan Bush yeah like we played that university far too much we did we did actually there's never too much of that never too much but uh, yeah just maybe it's just like as Helen mentioned you kind of grew up watching this Mm -hmm. sort of stuff right but those those scenes where Optimus Prime dies and he just goes do not grieve and I'm like oh still gets the feels but you shed a tear oh I, I would say Anyone who watches that without shedding a tear is not human. Yeah, that's wrong. Yeah. yeah, Helen, best soundtrack. Um, I'm gonna have to go Dirty Dancing at the risk of being a, a you know cliche of a girl because oh. um, because of, <laughs> no, but actually if you get the second Dirty Dancing CD, the first one like all the ones that everybody knows yeah. they're okay. The second one has more Otis Redding on it and it's a oh, okay. superior superior yeah. soundtrack right. album. Um, but no, it, it, it's weird because actually I was doing a sort of best musical moments in the book and mm. loads of them are 50s tunes and 60s tunes yeah. because it's obviously what that generation of filmmakers had grown up yeah, on. Yeah, of course. You know? right, yeah. um, that makes sense. But I quite like that stuff anyway. I like. Yeah. I, don't, I don't love electronica and so some of the 80s movies leave me a bit cold that way. Oh, controversial. Ooh, and also Highlander. The Queen soundtrack oh. for Highlanders. Ah, uh, yes. yes. Incredible. Yes, yes. Yeah, I always want to say Flash Gordon, but I know. It's, oh, no, but yeah, they did that, that as well. That, what year was that? Ah. Uh, yeah, so it's yeah, it it about 81 or so. Yeah. I think. Ah, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's genius. I'm really gutted they didn't touch upon that in Bohemian Rhapsody, but I'm sure mm. that's a, a conversation for another time. <laughs> um, but so, 
there was many, many amazing directors that applied their craft over the 80s, mm. and it's really hard to just nail it down to, to one or two people, especially then the careers they probably mm. went on to go do. But I'm going to ask you to nail it down to, okay. to one or two directors. Uh, I'll kick it off and say that if I had to pick like two amazing directors at that time, I've Robert Zemeckis, mm. uh, Back to the Future for me is just, for me, it's the perfect trilogy. It's flawless, yeah. Even though the third film's not as good, but still, it's yeah. like, you're never going to touch that. And I'm glad that the whole the whole world as a collective have gone, every time there's a rumour yeah. of a remake or four, we go, no. No, no, just, stop right no, there. Not mm. needed. Thank you. Not needed. We'll st- yeah. Great Scott. Yeah. No, yeah. no, yeah. stay here. And John Carpenter. And yeah. just some amazing films that guy's done. And yeah, yeah, you think of Escape from New York. I generally oh, love that film. I want them to remake it, but I want them to de-age. Um <laughs> uh, Kurt, uh, Russell. Kurt Russell, thank you, uh, into it. Because A, he looks absolutely stunning in Guardians of the Galaxy mm. Volume 2. He can clearly pull it off still. But um, there's no one else that can be Snake Pliston. No, there's only one. Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah. Um, so my two would have to be, this was something I thought about a lot for the book because I was trying to balance it and not use the same people mm. you know, all the time, even though I have my favourites. Um, but Spielberg is yeah. my just number one all time. So Spielberg um, obviously made you know indie this, this decade. So... Yeah pass for life for that um, and the other one that came up way more than I expected because he's not a name in the same way that those three are mm. is um, Rob Reiner like right. he's not you know mm. people don't really think about Rob Reiner as one of the great directors but like in the 80s he made Spinal Tap he made The Princess Bride he made oh When God. Harry Met Sally and he, and he made Stand By Me so wow you know I mean, he gets it just for the Princess Bride. I like, love that. Any one of those would yeah. be a pass for life. Yeah, that so. is, yeah, and that's the thing as well. Like, there's so many like home runs in that mm. period of time for those. But maybe it was just like you say that the, it was the right ingredients of culture, availability of technology, and and actors. Mm. Right, yeah. they're only as good as the people they're directing. Think about Big. Like, how good's Big? How oh, big is? Uh, so good. It's like Jamie hits with your. Uh, yeah, well, I was going to go for Spielberg as well. I think there's you know there's a couple of iconic films in that decade, isn't there? Which you, you just can't escape. Everyone, you know, E. T. Jaws. You know, everyone knows those films. And because I'm a fanboy, it's got to be my man Lucas. You know, amen. Yeah, you know, I, I, I've got to throw him out there. You know, but he lived long enough to see himself become the villain, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he directed the two Star Wars films in the eighties. Oh, do you know a good point? He might have just produced them. Yeah. I mean, he was obviously hugely involved in every basic stage. But I feel yeah, like yeah, yeah. he might have directed Empire Strikes Back. I don't know. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Jamie, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to yeah, argue this yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. I, I guarantee I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's talk about some character stuff, right? So the 80s had some iconic villains and a lot of cocaine. I don't know why, but there was a lot of cocaine involved in all these villains. Um, for me, I'm going to have to go with, with Adam Rickman as my favourite all-time 80s villain. There is a subcategory which deserves a subcategory in this questioning of favourite Russian villain because it seems to be like a, a thing of always has to be a Russian villain. But mm-hmm. but Jamie, you got a favourite villain? Oh, that is a, a question I was not anticipating. <laughs> Sorry. Um, Joe, I'm going to go over a little bit left field here. I'm going to say the shark from Jaws. 70s. Oh, is that 70s? Yeah. Is that late 70s? Huh? Five. Oh, not even late 70s. God, I'm not good with dates. Um, okay. I'll, I'll, That's right. We'll come back to you. We'll come back to you. Sure. There, there, yeah, there, there, four yeah. in the morning, you're going to wake up. You're going to yeah. wake up your girlfriend yeah. oh, and go, Claire, Claire, you know what it is? It's the Russian from Rocky Four. They don't want to use that one. There you go. You got one. <laughs> you can. Yeah, there you go. That's 1985, that one. I know that one. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I've got to say, best Russian is definitely oh. Ivan. Simon, oh, who was yeah. the, the bad guy in Rambo, First Blood? He was uh, he was Russian as well. Uh, first it? Blood. No that, was the, no, that was the cops, wasn't it? Mm. Oh. Uh, in that little town. Yeah, small town. Yeah, and he 
basically destroyed them. Oh, okay, I got um, that wrong. Yeah, Helen, favorite villain? Um, I keep I keep coming back to Khan in mm. Star Trek Two, ah, but actually, yeah. it's probably the right answer is probably either the Alien Queen or the Terminator. Oh wow! Yeah. Both of them could Terminator. be really good heroes as well. Yeah, <laughs> really, the Alien Queen. Oh, just, I just, I generally love that. I it's her to her people. It's all about right. perspective. It's all about perspective. <laughs> <laughs> now I feel bad for stereotyping her. Just like, just like the scrolls in, um, <laughs> in Captain Marvel, right? We've been led to believe all that turns out they're just trying to find a home themselves. Uh, yeah, well, spoiler. spoiler. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. Pe- like people listening to this would have seen Captain Marvel. <laughs> anyway, so there was plenty of genres in the eighties, but I want to talk about horror in particular because mm. again, that went for its own. Uh, I keep using the word renaissance because it yeah. feels like that's the way it did. And uh, for me, 80s uh, in terms of 80s horror, mm. I think Evil Dead. The fact that it was so good <laughs> that you went and remade it yeah. in the same decade yeah. with pretty much the same cast. Well, anyway, Campbell at least. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's it's got a hallmark which has still people discovering it nowadays. It's like, it makes you feel old when you mm. hear people go, oh, I discovered this film with this guy called Bruce Campbell in called <laughs> yeah, Evil Dead. Yeah, it's like, really, like, like it, no one's yeah. ever heard of it. It's like when you heard yeah. kids talking about discovering Friends on Netflix for the first time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so old. Yeah, so old. <laughs> and what's your, have you got a favourite 80s horror? horror? Um, I, I also am a big Evil Dead fan. Um, I was just thinking of one which has gone completely out of my head. Oh, well, I rewatched A Nightmare on Elm Street for the book and I'd mm-hmm. forgotten just how horrifically nasty that is like it's super nasty uh and so that has to go in there johnny depp getting you know sucked into his own bed and then like just a massive fountain of blood johnny depp was in that wasn't johnny depp was in that in a cut-off t-shirt to die in a cut-off t-shirt as well (laughs) the indignity oh my god so yeah that was was yeah (laughs) that was unpleasant and i would argue the first terminator movie is actually a horror because it's just so relentless i know it's it's a sci-fi but Mm. so intense you know Mm. Jamie, I know you're a horror guy. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go for, for my other man. Oh, I, I forgot about him. I should have said him for my director, George A. Romero. Oh, Day, yeah. Day of the Dead. Day of the Dead. Yeah, it's, classic. I mean, that is, you know, and we look at that whole genre of zombie movies, you know, that spawned off of Romero. Like, he he was a, a, a you know a genius when he came to those zombie movies, and I, I do love a good zombie movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. But I do love Evil Dead as well, as you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolute classics. There's, there's no losers in this, right? No. They're awesome. Uh, so, another 80s trope, the spoof movie. And to be honest, I hate spoofs, apart from 80s spoof movies. They <laughs> seem to... Maybe maybe when Leslie Nielsen died, that genre died with him. I don't know. But uh, obviously, you think about your airplanes and movies yeah, yeah. like mm-hmm. that. Um, another sort of trope in those movies, in that mm. kind of... In that bubble. So, kind of two in one have you got a favourite spoof movie but also body switching movies like that tends to be like a thing in the 80s right and I mentioned it earlier Big again that's like for me that's one of the one of the best out there when people say body switching movies where do you where does your mind go oh, big 100% yeah. it's, it's amazing yeah. And but you forget how twisted it actually is it's really oh my god the, she yeah. sleeps with a kid yeah she's super sleepy <laughs> I mean she's going to be so messed up never mind him also being super messed up it's very weird um, yeah but but and yet it's such they're so charming that it you believe it for a minute and you don't mm. realise how weird it is until sort of you wake up the next morning after watching it and go wait a second that's <laughs> wrong what's, what's more weird though she realised she slept with a child but then says Give me a call when you're older. Yeah, that's no, yeah. that that's the bit that they should not have, um, as it turns <laughs> out. So, you know, I don't think I've seen that since I was, you know, probably 
I don't know, 12 mm. or something like that, maybe was the last time and I And you were going before. around fairgrounds ever since. <laughs> 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 Do you know what? I, I didn't see it as a problem. Uh, well, no, because... Reflecting on it back now, I'm yeah. like, wow, I didn't... Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, did not see that one coming. That's not, no. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's well, a, she should be on a register. Speaking about that, <laughs> speaking along those lines then, what 80s movies, mm. that if they were released today, not, not changed, just how mm. they are now... What would not hold up in the so world of 2019? <laughs> like this was what I was, you know, I was compiling these, you know, best movies of the 80s for this book. And I've been told I could fit in 50. And I kind of cheated by putting in a further viewing suggestion on yeah, each one, yeah, you know, yeah. just so I could get some more in. Um, I like it. You like the Spotify of 80s movies. Honest, I was trying. But it, but it was, you know, my, my kind of my brief, I guess, was like the big movies, not, you know, necessarily all the kind of ones I might have gone for. Yeah. Left entirely to my own devices. But... Um, so I was trying to get a representative spread and I was trying to narrow it then down to 50 and it was and it was incredibly difficult. So yeah, so one of the things I thought I'd include was, <clears throat> excuse me, was the kind of 80s sex comedies. So right, like yeah. Porky's was the one that people kept <laughs> bringing up. I thought Porky's has got to be in there because, you yeah, know, it may not be, one. it may not be right now, but yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's totally of the decade. Yeah. And I watched it again and it is so, so relentlessly awful that I just couldn't bring myself to put it in the book, even though it is probably more representative of a, of a type mm. of movie than, than mm. a lot of the films I ended up with. I just couldn't do it. I hated it so hard. Oh. <laughs> so, well, yeah. I, I, again, I haven't watched that film since I was a teenager, mm. but I remember it being on my dad's shelf and it just like... You know, do you remember those old cassette, like, um, fake book sort of raps you used to be able to get for VHS? I remember we had a load of those on the shelves. They all looked like books, but they were all VHSs. And, and one of them had Porky's on it. And I remember saying to my dad, what's that film? He's like, no, you wouldn't like it, son. Uh, <laughs> As a teenage boy, I did like it. <laughs> well, I think one of the films which I don't think would hold up now is Crocodile Dundee. That oh, really? That's pretty much it. Like, watch it now. It's pretty much a hate crime. Yeah, <laughs> oh, okay. it's, I mean, because yeah. I, I did I did put that in because I thought I should have another look at it. Yeah, and yeah. Um, the only thing I can say in its defence, and there's a lot of stuff in there that's really dodgy. Oh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying No, no, I, I know, I know. Um, there's a lot of things in there that are really dodgy. Most of them, the Australian stuff, where he's talking about the relationships between whites and Aboriginal people yeah. in Australia. Oh, God, I don't even remember that. Yeah, that, that, that bit, I was like, whoa, okay. Um, but, um, but like, for example, when he meets a trans person, a trans yeah. woman, um, he's very much the butt of the joke, not her. Yeah. So I feel that's that's the only thing right. I'd say in its defence. And, and the only reason that it might just about... I'm not saying hold up, but it might just get a pass from some people now. Yeah, but you know? I, I think it's a social media meltdown if that yeah, was released today. Be, yeah, probably would be. Yeah. But, uh, but so there you have it. There's, thank you so much. Oh, sorry. And spoofs. Can I say spoofs? Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Sorry. Because um, Top Secret. Top Secret is not as well known. I think the first airplane was 79, which otherwise yeah. it would have been in there, I think. Um, but uh, Top Secret is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. It's Val Kilmer as right. an Elvis-style... Um, star going to communist communist East Germany, which is somehow also kind of Nazi East Germany. It's very confused, and um, <laughs> and trying to you know rescue a scientist who's been imprisoned by the bad guys. It's so good. That it's so funny. Amazing. I, I need uh, yeah. That's that. that Amazon Prime tonight. Yeah. Seriously, yeah. I mean people people kind of missed it and they Top don't secret. know it as well as Airplane. But Top Secret is Top secret. superb. Yeah, unfortunately, it, my first thought did go to Spy Hard. Yeah. I know it's not, not. I know it's not a, an eighties film, but when you say spoof Spy Hard, shots. Hot shots. Oh, hot shots I love, it's, but that's 90s. That's so. 90s yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. But I, I tell you one uh, that wouldn't hold up time today, Weird Science. No. Oh, that is no. a very 80s film. Yeah. That, yeah. If you try to remake that now, people are like, what? And you can't do that on the computer. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, it just crash. 
<laughs> dial up. Yeah. Turn it off and turn it on again. It'll yeah. be fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, on that. Uh, thank you so much, guys. And uh, if you've got ideas for 80s movies, which we haven't spoke about, get in contact with us on Twitter at TalkFilmyToMe. Hey, filmy people. Coming up on the next segment, it's me and Jamie reviewing Triple Frontier on Netflix. We originally intended to do this in the studio with Helen, but unfortunately we ran over, so we had to cut it short. We've done it over Skype. Um, I have cleaned up the audio, so hopefully it sounds good. But either way, enjoy. Streaming gems. Any man here that wants to walk away can do so knowing they're the best of us. This has got to be now. There is no ground support. Injuries we sustain, we're walking out with. So, Jamie, in the studio, we had too much of a good thing. We went over, so we decided to catch up on Skype to go through your review of Triple Frontier. Netflix original came out on Friday. Um, not Triple Point, as I kept saying to people over the week and tweeting about. But, Jamie, what is this film about? Okay, yes, yeah, so Triple Frontier is it's got a bit of a sort of a classic sort of storyline behind it. You know, we've got the good guys who are. Uh, you know, led their lives in the right way and, and suddenly are, you know, faced with a dilemma of, you know, making some money but not in the most legal way possible. Uh, it's got a great cast to it as well. You've got Oscar uh, Isaac, Charlie Hunt, I can never say his name, Charlie Hunnam? Hun- yeah, Hunnam. Hunnam. Yeah, Hunnam. That's <laughs> my name, mate. Uh, you've got Ben Affleck, Pedro Pascal, Garrett Hedlund and uh, Adria Arjuna. Who's the uh, the female uh, actress in this one? But she's uh, she hasn't really got a big part in it. She sort of comes in and out. Um, but you know the guys. It starts off with the, the, these are all ex army guys. Um, you got Oscar Isaac, who's a consultant to the Mexican police. Charlie Hunnam, sort of like an army support, or coaching those people as they come out of the army, not to go into the private sector and to stay with the army. Ben Affleck is an estate agent. <laughs> uh, Pedro Pascal is a pilot whose license has been su- uh, suspended for coke use uh, and then you've got Garrett Headland, who's the amateur MMA fighter amazing um, you can imagine yeah, so- the um, the guys who produced the Narcos TV show at the time were just sitting there going ah oh, we need a, a drug guy for this who can we get in yeah. oh just get Pedro Pascal I'll be fine <laughs> yeah, yeah it kind of does have that feel to it and it, it's one of those films you know where these guys are you know, they've done the right thing their entire lives and they're now struggling. You know, they're, they're doing what they can to make ends meet. Uh, and then suddenly there's this offer of taking down this big time drug cartel boss in the jungle uh, and getting away with a lot of money as well. And, uh, and yeah, it's a story of how they go about doing that, not trying to give too much away. Um, and then obviously the escape from that with the money. And as you can probably guess, as it's probably really predictable, uh, it, the escape doesn't go to plan. Uh, <laughs> right, so... Uh, is, that, is that sort of story? So, if my understanding's right, it's essentially a bunch of ex-soldiers, soldiers of fortune, however you want to describe it. They're yeah. living in civvy world, and an opportunity's come up to basically ro- uh, rob a drug cartel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean... I mean, I, I know I'm not sounding too enthusiastic. I actually <laughs> really enjoyed the film. Uh, cast-wise, it looks incredible. Yeah, cast-wise, it was great. The acting and quality within it was superb. The scenery in what they're, fil- in what they're filming in is awesome as well. Um, the, you know, there wasn't a lot wrong with the film. I, I really enjoyed it. For a Netflix original movie, it was, yeah, bang on. Like, you had the right cast, the right sort of uh, budget. And yeah, they pulled off a really good film. So 
talking about that car so this film's actually been around for a while it's been doing arounds uh, for nearly 10 years actually Johnny Depp was originally uh, linked to this film but pulled out for oh. other projects and stuff but as you said this cast is in my opinion pretty stellar a lot of people have described this as A-listers with a couple of B-listers to try and make them look like A-listers but I I, I disagree with that completely I think Charlie Hannon's awesome uh, love him in Sons of Anarchy and, and yeah, other endeavours What's he like in this? Yeah, he's, he's a really... He, he kind of plays the same character. <laughs> uh, I, I don't want to besmirch the guy because I think he's a fantastic actor, but he, he sort of plays that sort of... Um, you know, that strong guy who will do what's necessary, but at the same time has a moral side to him and a moral compass that he's trying to follow. Um, and and that's, that's an aspect of the film as well, that these guys are, you know, are guys of honour, having been in the army... And there is a bit of an internal struggle going on throughout the film uh, as, as they're struggling to deal with what they've done. You know, it's not a major part of the plot, but it's there sort of as a hmm. subplot running along the whole time. Uh, but yeah, I thought Charlie was 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 brilliant in this film. He, 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 but he did sort of play the same sort of character. You know, has yeah. that compass, but will do what needs to be done. <laughs> Oh, fair enough. All right, buddy. Well, it sounds like it's one of those action films, Netflix originals. We we tend to be a bit uh, glass half empty with most of them because mm. yes, for every uh, Okja that's out there, unfortunately there is a mute. And where does this sit for you in terms of Netflix originals? Uh, I, I think I think it's probably going to be up there with some of the better ones. It's really sort of their, as far as I'm concerned, the, the first foray into action if you don't in count, uh, count that Will Smith film oh that, Bright Bright which I, got me, I quite like that one as well um, <laughs> I, 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 I would say it's probably sitting about 4 out of 5 out, 4 out of 5 it's, 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 it's definitely worth a watch nice so there you have it 4 out of 5 Triple Frontier available on your Netflix account right now this is not what I signed up for a lot of people are going to come after you so we go through Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to this as much as we've enjoyed making it, please click on the like, follow, subscribe, whatever button it is that you get more content from Talk Filming to Me. Helen, I've got to be honest with you, it's I felt like I've been taking my driving test with Vettel <laughs> or trimming my beard in front of Chris Evans. Uh, you're doing it, but there's probably someone much better than you very close by. Um, people really know this, but how can they get in contact with you? How can they follow you? Sure, I'm on Twitter at Helen L. O'Hara and I'm on the Empire Podcast every week. So, you know, have a look at us as well. We do, um, I don't know if you guys do this, so this may be a, a thing that I'm recommending without, you know, taking away from people listening to you because we do the spoiler podcast for the big movies um, where we go into just ridiculous levels of detail mostly about Captain America's beard Um, but yeah we have fun doing it so yeah come along enjoy the it if you can imagine Jamie it's Chris Evans from Captain America he doesn't look redheaded in that. Yeah, no, I, I, I thought he was a presenter with radio. <laughs> he doesn't look ginger at all, no, really. really no. Sorry. Jamie, always <laughs> on the cultural pulse of society. Oh, you can't. You can't so, on possible. that, how do people find you? Uh, at Mr. Hannon and. At Mr. Haddon in space, sorry. Haddon in space. Uh, next week, we're going to be reviewing Pet Cemetery. We're also being, uh, hopefully, depending on embargoes, be reviewing us as well. So stay filmy till next time. We're down in the basement. We'll lock the cellar door and baby. Talk filmy to me.